Welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart Podcast. I am your host, Karen Litzy, and this is podcast number 195. And in today's episode, I have a great conversation with the lovely Rachel Balkovic. Rachel is the first woman strength and conditioning coach in the history of professional baseball. That's major league baseball right here in the U.S., She is currently the Latin American Strength and Conditioning Coordinator for the Houston Astros. She is a former college softball player that turned her athletic experiences into a platform to starting her career in strength and conditioning. We talk all about that in today's interview. And she currently resides in Orlando, Florida, where the Houston Astros have their spring training complex. So Rachel is an inspiration. So for any woman out there who wants to get into professional sports as a physical therapist, as a strength and conditioning coach, this is the podcast to listen to. She gives great advice on what you need to be a strength and conditioning coach in Major League Baseball, how important, can't stress this enough, the importance of hard work practice and the right attitude, which has gotten her to where she is today. And what her biggest challenges were to getting this position with the Houston Astros. And we talk all about her history and it was a great interview, some really great nuggets of knowledge there for anyone considering uh, going into professional baseball, especially for women out there. Right now, she was the first Uh, strength and conditioning coach in Major League Baseball, and she is still the only female strength and conditioning coach in professional baseball. So hopefully that'll change in the future, and I really look forward to that. But it was a great interview, phenomenal. We're going to get to it right after we talk about what's on the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart Community Board. So I realize I may be a little late to the party on this one. I was out with a friend Uh, over the weekend, and she was talking about, we were both softball players, and we were talking about uh, how fun it is and how great it was growing up and being able to play softball as a girl and and up through our adult life. And she asked if I was following this Instagram account, which I said I was not, and now I am, and it's called The Packaged Deal. So if you know anyone interested in softball or have friends with kids or colleagues with kids, and they're interested, get over to thepackagedeal.com. The team is Jen Schroeder, Amanda Scarborough, Katie Schroeder, Morgan Stewart. They're incredible. I highly suggest you follow them on Instagram. They have great videos and tips, uh, lots lots of really good, solid information on how to be a better softball player, how to be a better person. So check out thepackagedeal.com. Follow them on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, what have you, because they're awesome. Okay, so without further ado, let's get to today's interview with uh, the lovely Rachel Belkovic. Hi, Rachel, and welcome to the podcast. So happy to have you on. I'm super excited to be here. I'm I'm so glad that you reached out to me. This is going to be fun. Cool. So the thing that, you know, in reading through your bio is that you're a softball player, so yes. you played Division One. Mm-hmm. Um, you were a catcher. Yes. So where you played where? New Mexico. Well, at yeah. Started out at Creighton University. Creighton, yeah. And transferred to University of New Mexico. Yeah, and so I played softball. Nowhere near that level, mind you. Um, I was a pitcher. Nowhere near awesome. like Division Three. Um, 
but that's all right. Yeah, no, no, no. It was. It's a lot of fun, and and I think in our email exchanges, I said I just sort of retired a couple of years ago. Yeah, um, yeah. No, I, I. That's awesome. I'm glad you were still playing. Yeah, it's. It was a lot of fun. I was playing in an all men's league actually, Very and cool. the best part about it is when you I would strike someone out. And then I'd have to like sort of stifle the smile and kind of turn around <laughs> because you didn't want to be like, yes, you know. Yeah, act like it's nothing. I, I, no, every, this is, I do this all the time. What it... Exactly. This is, I do this every day. And so I would always get like a smile on my face, just kind of turn around and like shake it out a little bit Definitely. and keep going. But what was it like playing in at a division one school for softball? So, okay. It was a little bit lackluster. Like I went, I was definitely obsessed with softball in high school and I was like I was that girl that I was just the hardest working girl on the team I was lifting weights when nobody else was I was doing conditioning on my own I was going early and leaving late to practice to make sure I could do everything in my power to get a division one scholarship and I did um, I definitely wasn't the most talented player I don't think but I, I know that I outworked 99.9% .9 of the people there so got a scholarship to Creighton and it just was a really rough go my freshman year um, more so mentally than anything else but which is, I think, pretty common for a lot of college athletes. But I ended up transferring to the University of New Mexico. And I would just, I always say, I just never really mentally recovered from my freshman year. So I, it was a huge struggle for me to kind of lose my identity as an athlete. Like, I wasn't starting. I mean, how could I find success and how could I find self worth when I wasn't starting? I wasn't playing a lot. And that's ultimately what led me, I think, to being a strength coach because. I was putting in all this time and effort into my softball skill and it wasn't translating on the field because I had game anxiety. So I practiced, practiced, practiced and I had game anxiety and I had the yips, which is awful. And, and for those of you who are, not, who are listening and don't know what the yips is, it's basically where the skill of throwing just like falls out of your brain. How did that happen? Or, I don't know. It's awful. It's the worst thing ever. It is the worst. But I, I like couldn't throw the ball back to the pitcher. It was so embarrassing. It was just like I was recruited partly because I had such a gun and, and a laser arm and all of a sudden I just couldn't throw the ball anymore. It was terrible. So anyway, I saw a sports psychologist and all that. I never really fully recovered, but where it really led me to is to learning how to lead off the bench and lear learning how to lead when you're not on the field playing. And that for me, that was the weight room. I mean, Ultimately, every time, every time I went in the weight room, I gave 110% and I did see the results. You know, so it was a way for me to feel confident away from the softball field and a way for me to lead because I was the hardest worker and I was the strongest girl. And I, as a catcher, I was still one of the fastest people on the team. I was very athletic. And so I could really push my teammates in that regard and show them my worth in that regard, even though I wasn't able to do it on the field. And that's kind of what led me into strength and conditioning because it had such a positive effect on my career and I, I knew what it could do for athletes, you know, so that's kind of what I, what got me going, I guess you could say on the strength and conditioning path. And then, so you, you were in New Mexico, you graduate from college. And so what was it in, now I, I have a feeling since how you just sort of described, you were sort of the hardest working gal uh -huh. and, and I feel like that certainly has carried over into your professional life. Yeah. But no doubt. So can you kind of tell us your, give us a little bit more about your story. So you graduate from college. So you graduate from college and now you're with the Houston Astros. So <laughs> did that just, when did you graduate from college? Last year? Uh, like we were talking yeah. beforehand, you're an overnight yeah, success, just, you know, right? I actually, it was just overnight. Um, no, I, you know, it's a long story, but I think it's worth telling. Yeah. It's not that long a story, actually. I graduated from college when I was 22 and I'm 28. So we're talking about six years. But 
in that six years, I've moved about nine times. So if that gives you any idea, and you're exactly right, I think um, there's really no substitute for hard work, and that's something that can't be taught. So again, I don't, I don't feel like I'm the smartest strength coach. I don't even feel like I'm close to the smartest strength coach out there. Not even close. But I'm telling you one thing: my work ethic has carried me very far, and. I'll, I'll give you the kind of rundown. And I think, like I said, it's, it's a long story and it's kind of hard to follow, but I think it's important for anyone out there listening, any young professionals in the field to hear it because it's not an overnight thing for sure. Um, so let's see last year at New Mexico, I was doing an internship and this is an important to note. I was in Albuquerque and a lot of my friends were doing their internships at kind of local sports performance facilities or, you know, whatever was close. And I went to my mentor and I was like, where's the best internship in the country that I can do? I, I want to know. I'm going to go there. And he said athlete's performance. Do you know what that is? No. Exos, maybe. I don't know. It's it's like, it's kind of faded out. But in 2009, it was like the place where everyone went for the combine and major league baseball players were going there. And it was like the hottest place. It was all over ESPN all the time. So I applied to athlete's performance and I got an internship there and I went to Florida um, from Albuquerque and I worked for free like 14 hour days for free as an intern lived in an intern house I could like reach out across and touch my roommate's hand uh, her name's Anna Hitt she's still like an awesome friend and, and someone I admire um, and as we're you know reaching out and like touching each other's hands at night we're so close we got very very close you can imagine that could have gone one way or the other so I'm at athletes performance working for free eating you know counting my pennies, eating beans, that kind of thing, just going flat broke. And Anna, my roommate, was like, hey, I'm a javelin thrower at LSU. That's what she was. She's like, hey, you should come back and meet the strength coaches at in Baton Rouge. You should come back with me for a weekend, and we'll like say hey to them. And I was like, of course I want to meet the LSU strength coaches. So I went back to Baton Rouge with her one weekend and just visited, and I met Melissa Moore, who's the director of Olympic Strength and Conditioning at LSU, and we sat down, we hit it off, and she basically, on the spot almost, offered me the graduate assistant position there. So, okay, so then, and that's, this is another important note. She said, hey, you know, we, we have this spot coming open, but does it, come in, it doesn't come open for a full year. And I was like, absolutely, I'm going to an SEC school to be a graduate assistant and learn, you know, in an SEC weight room. I was like, no doubt. So I actually, at the end of my internship, I had probably five dollars in my bank account moved back to Albuquerque started personal train I was a personal trainer I was a waitress and I was also taking care of this elderly couple every other weekend I would go and stay at their house for 48 hours and like take care of them over the weekend so I was working three jobs to save up money to like get myself out of being poor from athletes performance and then also prepare myself to be poor again at LSU and so a year later I moved back to Baton Rouge so that's like, I don't know if you're counting, but it's probably like, this is like my fourth move, fifth yeah. move. Yeah, I think that's right. So I moved to Baton Rouge, started my graduate assistantship. I think I was making $1,200 a month and I was working, you know, obviously 12, 14 hour days, sometimes on the weekends. And I was also doing my master's degree in sports administration. So I was there, that took me a year and a half. And somewhere along the line, I started to get really interested in professional baseball. I started learning a lot more about the minor league system. And for those of you out there who are not baseball people, there's what I call the TV team is like the major league team where everyone sees, but there's also eight or nine teams underneath every single team. So if you're, yeah, 
So are what are you a fan of any team? Yeah, I mean, I'm a Yankees fan, but I didn't realize there were eight or nine teams below. Like, I know there's sort of their AAA, their single-A, their, but I didn't know. They're, yeah. Actually, the, the Yankees AAA team is in Scranton, which is where I uh, grew up. Yes, I know that. So so there's AAA, AA, high-A, low-A, rookie, 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 and then there's usually one or two teams in the Dominican Republic. Whoa, Okay. Yeah, so I started learning about this, and I got really fascinated because baseball is a very traditional sport. Everyone kind of knows that. It's like kind of the boys' club. Uh, it's very old school, very, very traditional, and they, the strength and conditioning in professional baseball was just in shambles like 10 years ago. And that was probably witnessed in the public eye as like the steroid era and all that stuff. It was very unorganized. There were a lot of quote-unquote personal trainers that were coming in and giving guys, obviously, substances that were banned. And there's a lot of this stuff going on, and that I, is part of why it, strength and conditioning was sparked to become a lot more organized. And now, now you'll see every single minor league affiliate has a certified strength coach at that affiliate working with the minor league team. Um, but there's also the Latin American component, which is I'll talk about with the Astros later on. I mean, there's just endless difference, different facets of the minor league system. And you really get a, a true, true appreciation for major league players, what they go through to get to the major league, the TV team, like mm -hmm. I like, like to call it. Um, just like anything else, it's not an overnight success story. They don't get drafted and go to the Yankees in, in New York. They don't yeah, do that. That is far and few between. No, there's, there's a couple guys, but even guys like, even prodigies like Bryce Harper, they were in the minor leagues for a certain amount of time. Very short, but and that's mm -hmm. that's one in a million anyway. So of we're course. talking about typical time spent in the minor leagues is five years. So which is something that most people do not know. So anyway, I got very fascinated. I'm at LSU and I got very fascinated with the minor league system and I was like, you know what, I want to be in baseball. So I started researching it and I was looking into it and I was like, Huh, this is weird. There aren't any guy names in the strength and conditioning world in baseball. This is so weird. Why is that? It's just like, couldn't get it. And I kind of started, started asking people and they were like, are you sure you wanted to get into baseball? There's no girls in that. I kind of started hearing all these things and I gave my resume out a billion times, of course. And I mean, long story short, very long story short, the Cardinals ended up calling LSU and asking them to recommend somebody. And my boss said, well, you know, we have someone, but, and I think, I think that they'd be great and they know their stuff about baseball and they want to be in baseball, but she's a she, so mm -hmm. I'm sure how this is going to work out. Um, so by the grace of God, um, Cardinals took a leap and hired me basically as an intern for one of their lower level minor league teams. And I ended up going to West Palm Beach, Florida. So that's move number five. I went there for extended spring training. And then I was in Johnson City, Tennessee with one of their rookie league affiliates for three months. So that was an incredible experience. I really loved it. I, I got even more fascinated with baseball. I got even more fascinated with the Latin American side of baseball. That is also another kind of underground thing that people don't quite understand. I don't think the public eye doesn't understand. So I got, I, I really, really loved my job. Um, I left because it was done. You know, it was kind of an, it was a seasonal position. So at mm -hmm. the end of the season, my contract was up and they were basically like, all right, well, you know, you can't come back next year, but it's basically six months unpaid. So, you know, you're welcome back. But if you find something else, we understand. So at the time I was thinking I wanted to start a PhD and I think I saw a quote on your website. What is it? Things don't change. We change. What is it? Oh yeah. Yeah. That could be something like that. Yeah. Like, 
your life path is just so hilarious. I mean, you, you, you change things so many times before you actually say like, all right, this is what I'm, I want to do. For my life. And even when you say that it could change. So anyway, I said, Hey, I want to do a PhD in nutrition. I was super passionate about nutrition. I still am. And I was like, all right, I'm going to apply and, and go to Phoenix and start some prerequisites at Arizona state. Before I did that, in the meantime, I'm a very, I'm like very efficient. I'm a very hard worker, and so I was like, all right, I'm starting school in January, and the season had ended beginning of September, and I was like, okay, I have four or five months. What can I do? I had an opportunity to go to the Dominican Republic, and I knew I wanted to be in baseball to continue along down the road, and I was like, of course I'm going to go to the Dominican Republic, and it was an opportunity to work with a professional baseball team down there in their front office. And I was going to be, this is another valuable lesson, I was going to be doing nothing to do with strength and conditioning and also very, very bottom of the barrel work. I mean, I was like, I was that girl that like threw out t-shirts and like hung out with the mascot, you uh -huh. know. And I was, I was helping a little bit in the front office with odd jobs and this or that, doing some translations. Nothing to do with strength and conditioning. Not, not paid well. I was paid like, you know, $25 a game or something like that. It was, it was just ridiculous something that not a lot of people would volunteer to do and mind you when people when I say oh I'm going to the Dominican Republic for work I'm not going to the beach I'm going right. to like the middle of nowhere like on a kind of farming community random you know, like it's not glamorous it's not not the glamorous job no 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 so I went down there and at the time I was living in the in the heart of a giant city not really nice area not bad but just you know it's a third world country so mm -hmm. I was living in the city. I didn't know really much Spanish at the time, but I knew it was very important for me to understand that culture and to learn Spanish if I wanted to be in, in professional baseball. So I jumped at that opportunity. I went, came back, moved to Phoenix. That's like move number, I don't know. I can't, I lost I count. Think, I think you're past nine at this point. Oh, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. somewhere. I'm up there. So I came back, moved to Phoenix, started some classes for a PhD, um, I don't think this is, I'll, I'll tell a little, if we get into the whole gender thing later, I'll tell more about uh -huh. Phoenix. Moved to Phoenix, tried to get into baseball. That didn't work out. That's a very long story condensed into five words. <laughs> didn't work out. Um, I did some classes. I was waitressing to pay my, my, my bills. And I just at some point said, you know what? I'm just not sure about if I want to do a PhD in nutrition, if I want to do it in biomechanics, and I was missing coaching, I was missing being a strength coach, and so I, I nixed the PhD idea, idea, and I decided I wanted to get back into strength and conditioning. This is another good time in my life to describe. So I was waitressing, I worked at Lululemon, and I was working at Arizona State for free in the mornings, and then I was like literally applying to every single baseball team. For those viewers, or for those listeners out there too, if you don't know about baseball, half of the spring training is in Phoenix and half of spring training is in Florida. So there's actually 16 baseball teams based out of Phoenix. So there's oh, a lot right? of baseball. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't know that. Okay, yep. cool. So when they go to spring training, there, there's actually 16 teams that do their spring training in Phoenix or the Phoenix area. So I was like, cool, there's 16 teams out here. Like, I'm sure I can get in with somebody to do an internship or something. And so that's another story if you'd like to talk about. That's when I ended up changing my name. Yeah, let's talk about that. So you have 16 okay. teams. I mean... The odds are ever in your favor here, not to quote the Hunger Games, but right. the odds are, are definitely in your favor to get a job, to get something. So you send out your resume. What trick did you do just to kind of, uh, let's say, get the call from someone? So 
there, I have endless stories. When I first moved to Phoenix, I applied for six jobs and I didn't get a single call. And then finally applied for a seventh one, got a call, went through the interview process. And then they ended up telling me to my face that I wasn't going to get the job because I was a female. And so kind of already went into, I, I went into this process thinking like, all right, I need to like kind of play some trickery. Like I need to get some trickery in here. So (laughs) I ended up changing my name on my resume from Rachel to Ray spelled R-A-E. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is never going to work. But, you know, I, I changed, I, I used to have NCAA Division One softball player, but I changed it to NCAA Division One catcher. So oh, I basically wow. made everything That's gender smart. neutral. And so, um, I mean, it, it only worked a couple of times and then I felt too bad and I, I changed it back because I was like, okay, if they don't want me because I'm a girl, then, you know, I don't probably you don't, don't want to be there. Yeah. But at the time, I was desperate, so I was like, I, I just need to get him on the phone, and I'm going to blow him away with the interview, and it's going to work out, and it's going to be this crazy story, and that's just not how it's going to happen. If, if they don't want to hire a female, they're not going to do it. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I got a phone call one day after I changed my name, and I was like, hello? And they were like, uh, hello, can I speak to Ray? And I was like, oh my god, oh my god. I was like, oh, it worked. I was like, uh, I was like, this is she, and you can it was like the longest silence in the history of silence. And there was like some rustling of papers. And then he was like, um, he was like, oh yeah, I just wanted to make sure I had your name right. Sorry. And I was like, oh my gosh, wow. How obvious can you be? (laughs) So I was like, I was actually, it was funny. I was in the middle of something and I picked up the phone. It was a number I didn't know. I picked up the phone, didn't even think about it. I was like outside, it was windy. And I was like, I'm so sorry. Can I call you back in 30 minutes? I'll, I'll, I'll call you right back. And so I called him back in 30 minutes. He didn't pick up. <sighs> called him back the next day. Didn't pick up. Never heard from him again. Wrote him an email two weeks later. Did not get a response. So you can imagine no. that was super fun. So um, I have a few stories like that, but that's one of them. So anyway, um, after a, a few interviews and such, the Chicago White Sox contacted me. Dale Torborg contacted me with an internship opportunity to work in the Arizona Fall League, which is a prospect league that goes on in Arizona in the fall for about eight weeks. And also I stayed on with them for some winter camps and stuff. And that's another important thing to mention. I think that Dale is a huge piece of, of how I was able to get back into baseball and get a second, you know, baseball organization on my resume to get some credibility. And, and he, he just like my boss with the Cardinals has a wife who's just completely kick ass. Like she just, she was a professional wrestler back in the day. And I think in my interview process, Dale was like, yeah, so you're a girl. And I was like, uh, (laughs) I was like, I was like, yep. And he was like, look, I don't care if you're a girl. My wife could probably still kick your ass and she's 55. And I was like, or some, whatever she was. And I was like, okay. I was like, so he basically, it takes, takes men to open up the door and it takes guys like that who are like, look, I, I appreciate strong women and I don't care. You can do the job. You can do the job. Who cares? So he got me an internship and then Again, long story short, a few other things happened in between there, but the Cardinals called me right around Christmas, I guess it was two years ago now, and said, hey, would you be interested in coming back on as the coordinator? And of course I said yes. And then I was on for two years with them as the coordinator. And then parted ways with them in October and the Astros basically called me immediately and offered me, or didn't offer me, but started the process of talking about the Latin American Strength and Conditioning Coordinator job, which is what I currently am with them. And again, for those people who don't know, there's every single team in baseball has a Dominican Academy. And so what that means is 
there is a like satellite, I guess, team you could say in the Dominican Republic for every single major league baseball team. And that's kind of how they get that Latin American talent is they sign them in the Dominican and they send them to their academy where the kids actually stay on campus. They live there, they eat there, they play baseball. Basically, they wake up in the morning, eat breakfast, play baseball, and go back kind of to their dorm room. So that's what I'm doing is I'll be based out of the spring training site working with one of the minor league teams. And then I'll also be traveling back and forth to the Dominican, uh, hopefully up to 10 times a year to basically manage the athletes that are in the Dominican Republic as well. That's amazing. And just, you know, I kind of mentioned this in the intro, but you were the first female strength coach in Major League Baseball. Yes, I am. Which is a big deal. Are there more at this point? No, there oh. are not. No. Bummer. Soon, soon. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so, you know what I'd like to to have you talk about is, and I sort of saw this on um, when I was kind of doing some research into you, is, and I think this was when you were with the Cardinals, but they had mentioned that for the Spanish-speaking players, that you have them doing homework, you have them kind of learning parts of the, the names of, you know, parts of the body, so that way when you're in the weight room with them, you can talk to them. Because yeah. I would have to imagine that, you know, form is, is of the utmost importance. And if you can't communicate that, you're kind of sunk. So how did you communicate with them? And I think there was a pin the tail game. Yeah. But So do you want to kind of talk a little bit about that? Because I think that that's something that maybe people don't think about when they're, they're kind of yeah. pursuing what, what you do. So I think it's vital. And I, I would say this to any strength coach. It get or athletic trainer getting into baseball or, or physical therapist getting into baseball. When I wanted to get into baseball, I knew right from the get-go, I was like, there's no way around this. I'm learning Spanish. There was no way around it because, you know, obviously there's a mindset of, well, they're coming here. They should learn English. But guess what? We're dealing with kids who grew up in a third world country. And so their education level and their ability to learn English is going to be way less than my ability as a, as a college-educated woman, woman to learn Spanish and help them. And so that is a huge, huge part of, I think, being in professional baseball. I couldn't imagine my job without knowing at least – I mean, I'm not fluent, but I would say like 80% fluent. It's a huge part, and, and those kids really need help and need to be – need to have an avenue of communication. So what I did basically, and, and like, I obviously I'm still going to help them learn English, but my expectation for them isn't like, all right, well you learn English and good luck, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, anyway, basically when I signed in with the Cardinals, I was just appalled at like, we had guys who'd been in our system for three years and didn't even know how to say arm. And we're talking about pitchers, like pitchers who like, that's an important body part for them. <laughs> like, Absolutely. They don't know how to say arm. And so I'm like, okay, we're failing these kids. Like this is our fault. So Anyway, I basically crafted up this this three foot by three foot picture of Yadier Molina, who's who's the franchise face the franchise basically for the Cardinals. He was a catcher, and I was just like, I made up this poster and I laminated it. I brought it in one day in spring training, and I, I showed it to him, and he kind of looked at me like, "What in the heck is this girl doing?" <laughs> and I was like, "Hey, I have this idea." So he was all on board. We put it up in the weight room and kind of got like magnetic words. And every day that the players came in the weight room, they would have to, before they left, they would do their workout. Before they left, they would have to pin the words onto the body parts on Yadier Molina. And so 
every day it kind of became a thing. Like at the end of the workout, one strength coach would go over with the, over there with them and they would have to pin the words on it. And we would also do like, we would practice vocabulary. Like I would have them not only put the words on it, but then they'd have to say them out loud. And then I would, you know, I'd mix them up and try to like do different games with them. And in spring training, I actually like gave them worksheets and stuff to work on where they had to write in the names of the, the body parts on different worksheets. And then at the end of spring training, we did a little examination where they had like basically, um, it was the athletes who scored like above an 80%. We gave a t-shirt to that, that Yadier actually helped design and paid for the shirts. Like he was all about it. So that was a really great experience. And it just more, more solidified like this position that I have with the Houston Astros. I am so, so passionate about helping, helping these young Latin players because, you know, basically we, we pluck them. And when I say we, I mean Major League Baseball, we pluck them at the age of 15, 16 years old from the Dominican Republic. Granted, it's their choice. It's a good opportunity. But regardless, like we know that they don't have the education to fend for themselves. And we take them out and kind of just are like, all right, your little, your little baseball robots, go play baseball. And we don't continue their education and focus on making them better people and, and functioning human beings in society. So I'm really passionate about the education, the discipline, the the character aspects of what we do with the Latin players. So that's kind of where that started. And definitely that's a huge, huge part of what I do now with the Astros. And I think that's so important for people who are, who are like you said, aspiring strength and conditioning coaches, physical therapists who, who want to work outside of the traditional settings, whether that be in, in especially in baseball, but in other sports, is that the strength and conditioning, the physical therapy doesn't just end in the weight room or in the clinic, mm-hmm. but that you you kind of have to develop this more robust program for your clients. Yes. And then just think about the buy-in you're getting from these guys. Oh, yeah. Right? Like what a difference versus if you just came in, barked some orders and left. Oh, my gosh. And that's something – that's a common misconception about me being a woman is – I hear it all the time and and it's honestly almost insulting. They're like, well, oh my gosh, how the Latin players, that's, that's just a machismo. Do they, they, I bet you they bother you, they hit on you. And what's so funny is that the Latin players are probably the most loyal to me because of they, because they know I care and Mm -hmm. I spend the time, you know, I really care about their development. And a lot of people forget like the, the main person in their life most times is their mother because there's usually not a father figure around. And so you know, I'm kind of that motherly role where I'm really caring for them and I'm really, really showing interest in them as a person and not just, like you said, come in, okay, go lift the weight, go do, all right, go bark orders, whatever, all right, go home. It's it's really caring about them as a person and helping them beca- become a better young man and have a fighting chance in the world, you know? Absolutely. Outside of baseball. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And I, I mean, I just think that's such a great, a great thing that you started there. Uh, what does it take to be a successful strength coach in Major League Baseball? So, in other words, sort of in your opinion, what, what do you look for if you have to hire someone? Okay, so we just hired six new people this year with the Cardinals, and we sat down and, and kind of like I had a checklist, I, like I had an Excel sheet of like what we would look for. And a couple of things that were pretty important to us. Number one was college experience, like working in the collegiate setting. We thought that was important. I mean, as an intern with professional baseball, if you go straight into baseball and you don't get in a college weight room, you usually work with very small groups and, you know, you're kind of working with 
you might be working with older guys who are easier to handle. Whereas college, you're typically working with a large group of athletes and it's high intensity and it's a lot, it's off season work. It's a lot more hands-on work and you're working with, with kids who really need it. And I think that if you go straight into baseball and you're thinking, Oh, I like, I hear all the time. Oh, why do you want to be in baseball? Well, I played high school baseball and I really like the sport and yeah. And I'm like, what? that's not good enough. I could teach you baseball. You know, I don't need you to play baseball, but what we do need is good coaches. And so I think in order to be successful with, with professional baseball, you have to be a good coach because you have to have the skills to not only work with, you know, the, the typical athlete who's 22 and in good shape and da, da, da. But like, for example, when I was a coordinator with the Cardinals, I would have to fly straight from, you know, I'd go from the Dominican where I'm working with a 16 year old Dominican kid who's never lifted weights in his life. And I'm, and I'm yelling and I'm intense and I'm, I'm strict and I'm disciplined. And then I fly to our AAA team in Memphis and I'm working with a 30 year old and I'm like, Hey, how are your kids? Oh, good. They just had a birthday. Okay, cool. Like, you know, you have to be able to, you have to be able to be a good coach and to be able to reach the athletes on all kinds of different levels. Right. And be adapt. It sounds like you need to be adaptable and you need to kind of meet, you have to know how to meet people where they're at and you have to have that flexibility of personality and, and just person in order to relate to different groups of people coming from really different backgrounds. Yes. And I, I definitely think that's one thing like I would recommend to all, even athletic trainers and strength coaches to get in that, get in a college weight room and really get your hands on people and be very, you know, be around them 24 seven, et cetera. Like that is probably the best experience that anyone can ask for. Um, and then also, uh, gosh, I just lost my train of thought. What was another one that we looked at? Oh my gosh. You, you said something and I even, Oh, so you were saying, you know, kind of being a good coach, being able to be adaptable, um, and, and just being able to relate to people from all walks of life. Yes. And so like along with that goes traveling, like you have to be willing to travel. Baseball is a extremely mobile sport. You're with them on the bus, everywhere they go. I would, I would just say expect to travel and not only to travel, but move around to different cities. Like you don't just go, you don't just get, everyone asked me, Oh, you just got hired by the Astros. Oh my gosh. Do you like Houston? And it's so funny because I'm not going to be in Houston. I may never go to Houston. Right. Yeah. I went there for meetings last weekend. That's probably the last time I'll be there ever. I'm actually going to be based out of Orlando. And then we have minor league affiliates all over the country. Like you said, the Yankees have their AAA team in Scranton. Who would ever guess? You know, we have our our affiliates in California in the Midwest. They're all over the place. And so year to year, you could move up and down in the organization. You could... You, know, you could go. You could go to the Dominican Republic for God's sake. So definitely, if you're gonna, if you want to get into baseball, this this applies to most sports, but baseball, very very much so. You have to be willing to move around. And for me, that's that was a plus. I love travel. I love moving. I love meeting new people, being in new places. So that was so, something so, I was excited about. So it sounds like you're saying if you were to let's just say apply for the Yankees, um, you wouldn't just be in New York working with like no the Yankees the the tv team so to speak and i yeah. think oh. i think that's good to clear up that because you know i think some people have that have that idea in their head yeah that's a lot of people are like oh my gosh you're working for the astros you're going to be you know, oh you're working for the major league team and i'm like no i'm working with the minor league players 
And again, that's kind of, it's like this underground world. Like it's so funny to me how people idolize these players and, and they have no idea that the path they went on. And that's, that's to me, like, that's a, that's the most enchanting part of it is to know that they've moved all over the country and they've any given season, a player could player could move up and down five times, you know, mm-hmm. like they, they could go from double A to triple A to double A to high A to back to double A. Like it's, it's very volatile for the players and they, definitely earn their keep by the time they get to the major leagues so yeah it's it's not all cut and dry like you get hired by the yankees you go to new york no you get hired by the yankees and you go to some random town in virginia that you never heard of where there's 500 people right Right. yeah no and i think it's important for people to know that that you have to there's a ladder to climb oh yeah you know and you have to be willing to put in the work and i think kind of what you said in the beginning of the interview about how you were such a hardworking student and a hardworking softball player and I think that's the mentality you have to have. You can't come in with this mentality of of having something immediately. Oh yeah. I mean I, I've always that's something that I got from my parents growing up and coaches and mentors along the way. I've always expected to work. I've one thousand percent expected to work. I've never expected it to come easy. Um, I do expect success, but that doesn't mean that I expect it to come easy. And so that's definitely a takeaway message is I think that I say this to athletes all the time, you know, don't you think everyone is waking up early? Everyone is lifting weights. Everyone is going out and practicing. What are you doing different? And that's the same thing in the career world is don't you think everyone goes to, goes to work every day. Everyone puts in their time. What are you doing that sets you apart? That's going to make you successful. So I definitely, like you said, I mean, that that climbing the ranks, that doesn't scare me at all. I'm still in the minor leagues. I fully expect to be a director of strength and conditioning working at the TV team level, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. But I want to put it, I don't shy away from the work now. I think it's very important to learn, you know, the the ranks and to really be, to be the Latin American coordinator. That's exactly where I want to be because it's just going to make me more valuable. It's going to make me smarter and it's going to make me more prepared eventually to be with a major league team. And is that something that that you're looking for, or let's say that someone needs to have to be a successful coach? You know, you're looking for those people who are willing to put in the work. Yes, yes, thousand percent, absolutely. I mean, I would rather have. It's like I said, I don't. We can teach you baseball. I can even teach you strength and conditioning. If you're not the most knowledgeable coach, I don't care. I'd rather have somebody that's just going to put their nose to the grindstone, put in the work, show up early ask questions, learn Spanish. People ask me how I learned Spanish. Again, that's hard work. I didn't learn Spanish with Rosetta Stone. Oh, you didn't? No, no. I learned Spanish. Uh, why do I need Rosetta Stone when there's 30 Rosetta Stones walking around my weight room? <laughs> you know, <laughs> Like it's very simple. And, and also being a visible learner, hey, every single day, how do you say this? 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 And over time, they really, they help me. I'll be giving a speech or something and I'll stutter over my words and, and there'll be three, four players that are like, oh, Rachel, it's this. Like they help me along in my process of learning too. And so, I mean, I, that's very simple to me. How did I learn Spanish? Just like you learn anything else, if you're motivated to do it and you want to work hard, I just started asking questions and I, and I wrote things down and I, I asked them every day and I, st- I used the words every day. I made a fool of myself so many times saying wrong things. But it's all that mentality of putting in the work to learn the skills that you need to be successful. Absolutely. So, so you have uh, college. Ex- you need college experience. You need to want to and be okay with travel, and mm-hmm. you need to want to and be okay with hard work. <laughs> yeah. Right. 
I mean, that's pretty basic stuff. Um, so for everybody listening, that's what you need. So, so be prepared. And now, (laughs) I mean, it's, it is pretty basic stuff, but it's hard work. Um, so let's talk about your biggest challenges. So what were your biggest challenges to get you to where you are? We heard about some in the beginning just to even get an interview because you're a girl. Mm-hmm. Um, but what, what were the biggest challenges that you faced thus far? Gosh, I have like a very unique perspective on this. I'm going to lump two questions together. You okay. said you like one of the, your next questions I think might be, um, what's my advice to mm-hmm. other young women getting in the field? Is that right? Yep. So the hardest part I have to say, like, I don't view challenges as scary. I don't view like taking steps backwards and being a waitress or whatever. That doesn't scare me because I know I'm like so confident that I'm going to continue down my path and, and I'm ultimately going to end up where I want to be. But I, I do think the toughest thing for me was the gender thing because it's something I can't control. Yeah. I've always very much felt like it was in my control to be successful because if I worked hard enough and I spent the time to learn and all of those things that we've already talked about, that that was going to equal success. Hard work equals success. But at some point, much like referencing um, having the yips, at at some point my hard work wasn't paying off. And that was that was the toughest thing for me. I was working hard. I had I had this great resume when I when I moved to Phoenix. I mentioned I had this phenomenal resume for a young strength coach, and I applied for a bunch of very low level minor league positions in Phoenix when I first first moved there. And I was still kind of taking prerequisites for a PhD. And moved there. I had a master's. I had worked at LSU in their weight room. I worked with baseball, softball, and and the tennis teams. And I've been a college athlete. I had already worked for the Cardinals. I had I had lived in the Dominican, for gosh sakes. I'd worked for a team there. I had this phenomenal resume for a young strength coach. And I wasn't getting any phone calls. And then, you know, I had some I had some peers in the field and I would hear through the grapevine, oh yeah, my boss got your resume, but there's just this one little problem, you know? And then I heard that from no less than five teams. And then also the capstone was, um, the capstone was when I actually did get a phone call, I went through the interview process with one team. And like I said, we went through two interviews and it hit it off. And he was like, Oh, you're totally our person and we want you. And then I didn't hear from him for two weeks. And I did my courtesy follow-up call and he just said, look, you know, I'm doing everything I can to help you, but our front office doesn't want to hire a woman. And that was like the first time that it was direct from the person to me, you know, it's your gender. Mm-hmm. There was no question. There was no, well, maybe that, maybe that person doesn't really know. And he's just saying that about his boss or it was kind of a mystery, but that person was like directly, like, we're not doing it because you're a woman. That was very, very tough for me to handle. And I, I kind of, I, I crept into the victim phase, like the, poor me and this isn't fair and all that stuff. And ultimately, like I mentioned earlier, you know, it all obviously all worked out and, and I, I don't mind as I, as I view it more globally in the, in the moment I wasn't getting a job and I had to sit out a year of baseball and I had to be a waitress with a master's and I was, I worked for the Cardinals and then I had to go be a waitress and pick up people's dirty dishes. And Mm -hmm. that was, that was tough. That was a really tough time in my life. But looking at it globally again, I don't mind taking on this challenge. I don't mind being discriminated against. I don't mind blah, 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 fill in the blank. I don't mind all of those things because ultimately, hopefully it's doing good for 
other young women out there who want to get in the field. So hopefully now that I'm in this position, it's showing other teams and it's going to open up doors for other women. And so what was the hardest part? I guess the gender thing, but I, I really do consider it a quote unquote blessing in disguise that I went through all of that because it was, it was very much a character building time in my life. And it's also hopefully opening up doors for other women. Yeah. I mean, it, it's like you either break down and say, screw it. I'm not even going to do this because nobody wants me. Yeah. Or you just keep working harder and you just keep at it and you keep going, which is what you did. And now you're kind of reaping the the oh. rewards and the benefits of, like you said, just being a hard worker. And gosh, I really hope that more women are considered because it's like if you have an opening for a strength and conditioning coach and whatever level it is mm -hmm. and the person's resume fits everything you're looking for, that's yeah. the job. What's the, yeah. do you know what I mean? You're hiring for the position, not the gender. It's pretty stunning that, and I mean, like I said, and I even like last year, I kind of, I told my parents, this it was funny last year when I was hiring people, I was getting people's resumes and I was like, now I know, now I know there was gender discrimination because I know my resume was head and shoulders above other people's and I just wasn't getting the call. So mm -hmm. it was, it was interesting. Like I said, it was a very, it was a tough time. I was so broke. Oh my gosh. I was, I, I always say I was vegetarian broke. I was, I actually became a vegetarian <laughs> because I was so broke I couldn't afford meat oh, no. so I would have like I basically I was an ovotarian I was like so I, I would eat like eggs and spinach and beans every day that was like staples so you know you've obviously been on quite a journey and you've struggled and you've sacrificed I think that's fair to say yeah um, a lot and we're sort of running out of time for for this part of the podcast but if you have a few minutes and you want to stick around we'll do uh, part two of the interview and maybe talk a little bit more about your work in the locker room, quote unquote, in the weight sure. room, the locker room, a little behind the scenes, perhaps, if, if you're willing. Sure. Um, so anyway, uh, listen, people, if you want to hear more about the, uh, the behind the scenes look at, at a strength coach in Major League Baseball, then tune in this Thursday for the Thursday Quickie. And Rachel, if people want to get in touch with you and find more about find out more about you, how can they do it? Probably the best way to do it is you can go to my website, damselinthedugout.com. Um, and I, there's a contact section there. And I also have my email on there, which is just damselinthedugout at gmail.com. Um, and then I'm also, I mean, I'm on pretty much every social media thing. I'm on Facebook, Damsel in the Dugout, Instagram, Twitter. I've even started periscoping, which nice. is weird. Have you started periscoping? I have. I've done a couple of scopes. Yeah. Um, I have to get a little more comfortable with it, I think, because yeah. it is a little, because it's like the camera's all up in your face. Yeah. Definitely. And 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 a lot of times it's an upshot. And if ladies know anything, an upshot is no good. Uh, uh, I preach, preach. <laughs> no good, ladies. No good with yeah. the upshot. So I don't know if you need a selfie stick or something to do Periscope, or I haven't oh, quite yeah. figured that out yet. But yeah, it's it is Periscope something. And I'm um, a public speaker, and I'm I'm nervous to get on Periscope, even doing public speaking in front of you know whatever 100, 200 people, and I'm like so nervous when I get a Periscope. It's hilarious. Well, because it's weird to see yourself on camera so up close like that. Yes, it is. It's crazy stuff. Um, anyway, so. Go to damselinthedugout.com. You'll find more about Rachel. You get in touch with her. And tune in this Thursday for the uh, 
for the Thursday Quickie, where we kind of go behind the scenes, get a little behind the scenes look at being a strength coach in Major League Baseball. So everybody, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you Thursday, and stay healthy, wealthy, and smart.